Experience the unconventional. Evening, boss. The unpredictable. What's happening? And the completely unorthodox. Exactly. With rule-free Ian Lee. The late night alternative with Ian Lee. I've got no internet for the last four days. On Talk Radio. What a song! I guess maybe five of you have heard that song before. It's a great tune, isn't it? It's a great tune. Ladies and gentlemen, it's only wings. Wow. I am, I am, listen, you know me, I'm a huge Monkeys fan. Huge Monkeys fan. Huge Beach Boys fan. I'm going to go and see the Beach Boys tomorrow at Hampton Court. Huge Beatles fan. Who is it? People who, who say they don't like the Beatles, or as far as I'm concerned, they have no soul. Um, and I, 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 I must confess, I've, I've kind of got a huge gap in my Beatles knowledge. I love a lot of their solo work, but like a lot of people, I sort of ignored, I ignored a lot of the seven, I ignored a lot of the wing stuff is what I'm coming around to saying. And thank you to the, the marvellous people of uh, uh, the Take It Away podcast, Ryan and Chris, who we had on um, a couple of days ago. I've really been getting so excited to find 10 years worth of music that I ain't listened to properly before. The hits and stuff, but so the Back to the Egg album, which I think was considered a bit of a flop when it was released in its day, we'll find out. What a, what a lost, great album. And I'm so thrilled, so thrilled um, that we've got one third of Wings. We've got a former singer with the Moody Blues, one of the just, you know, greatest, most talented musicians who's been doing the rounds, played with Ginger Baker, played with everybody, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from America. It's only Denny Lane. Good evening, Denny. Hey, Ian. How do I follow that? <laughs> Mate, it is such a thrill to talk to you. Listen, we just played a song from Back to the Egg, and I cannot believe I only listened to that album two weeks ago, and I'm there going... Well, this is great. Every song on there is great. What? But th- that was, am I right? That was the last Wings album that you guys did. It was, but you know what? Now you mention it, I haven't listened to it myself for a while, and I find that when I do listen to the old stuff, it's yeah. a lot better than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you got to remember that while you're doing this stuff, you're just engrossed in doing it. Yeah. You don't really after it, after it comes out, and as you say, it got a bit of a bad rap at the time, but. Yeah, now I listen to stuff like that. I'm kind of knocked away with. And I was just listening to that that song now, and because it's one of my songs. Yeah, sort of, and and uh, it sounds good. It, it sounds, sounds brilliant. It sounds yeah. brilliant. Wing, do you? I don't know because uh, how long have you lived in the states, Denny? Well, on and off this time for about twenty years. Okay. I've been back every now and then, but uh, you know, I'm sort of based here. I haven't been for a while. Because I I think, and I may have fallen guilty to this. Wings have kind of got. Um, they've got a, a kind of a weird reputation, I think, in this country, partly because anything p- done by a Beatle after the Beatles was always going to be knocked a bit, partly yeah. because Mull of Kintyre, man alive, if you were around in the 70s, guys, Mull of Kintyre was everywhere. It was one of those songs that was just always on the radio, always on the telly. And yeah. I think people get kind of quite sniffy about Wings when actually you dive into those albums, uh, Back to the Egg, Wings Over America, Red Rose yeah. Speedway. There's some great stuff on there, Denny. Well, you know, thanks. But the thing is, it's it's all down to the members of the band. Yeah. We, don't forget, we had three or four lineups of the band. Yeah. And they were all great in their own way. This last one was a guy, English drummer called Steve Holly, who I still work with in the States, actually. Wow, OK. And... 
and um, and then Lawrence Stuber is English, of course, and yeah. he lives in in LA, and I see him a lot. So we've we've done things like, like you know charity stuff together. Still, we still work together. But the, but those two guys were the latest and the youngest members yeah. to join. And uh, that album was kind of rushed, and as I say, you know, it had its it's had its value. And now I'm listening to that song, for example. There's a great groove on there, you know, great feel, everything. It was tight, you know. It, 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 was like, go on. Well, I was going to say, well, like the earlier days, yeah. like the Red Ro- that Those were kind of, that was, Red Rose Speed was the first kind of studio album that we did with the producer, uh, Glenn Johns. Yeah. And then before that, it was a kind of rough band. It wasn't that tight. We were unknown. We weren't that. Well, not unknown. He wasn't, and I wasn't a little bit. But we weren't known as a band, yeah. and it was all a bit raw, and it wasn't very good, you know. So we we built up to being good. That's what it is. Live work did that. Well, it, and that is that is one of the brave things for both of you, because obviously Paul was in the Beatles. I don't know if anyone's heard of that band, um, but you don't. You'd had solo, you know, success with the Moody Blues and with with yeah. Ginger Baker and stuff. To kind of go for both of you to go back to the beginning instead of forming, you know, like a soup like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young or yeah. something to go back yeah. to the beginning and and start from nothing again. That was well, a bold move for both of you, wasn't it? It was, but it, we didn't think of it as much like that. I think you see, you got to remember, I knew Paul from the Beatles days. Yeah. I mean, we were managed by Brian Epstein after after we all got ripped off from our first manager. We went with them. Oh, right. They got us on the British tour. You know, we were friends. And as I say, that that was the beginning of me knowing Paul really well. So by the time I got together with him, it wasn't so much like Strangers starting again. We were just playing stuff like we were influenced by the same music you know the yeah. old uh, buddy ollie alvis all that stuff eddie cochran you know everly brothers we were all influenced by that so it, to us it was just kind of getting together and see what we came out with you know we knew we weren't going to be playing beatles or moody blues music yeah because we couldn't i mean you can't go out and do that not in those days anyway I mean, you know, the tribute bands do it and all that stuff. But we couldn't do that then. So we had to come up with something new. And those, we went to Scotland. I mean, that's how Mullock and Ty got written. Yeah. We, we were up in Scotland, just starting again as far as like, hey, we want to get away from any outside press or whatever, you know, criticism, and just get it together as two friends, really, with Dennis Sidewell, of course, mm. Linda. But it was just the... The nucleus of it was me and him, and we kind of, because we knew each other, it wasn't that hard, is what I'm trying to say. How how did you get the gig, Denny? What, what, what Was there a phone call from him saying, look, you know, do you fancy yeah. joining me back? How, how did it work? Exactly. I that. just did a Paul McCartney impression to Denny Lane. I feel <laughs> terrible. Sorry. I take that back immediately. <laughs> well, hey, if you hang around him long enough, you will have a Liverpool accent like me. <laughs> so, but did he, did, was it a phone call in the middle of the night saying, I'm starting up a new it, band? You want in? It was a phone call in the afternoon to yeah. my office. I was staying in the office at the time. I had a room uh, in the back. And I, I was friendly with Mark Bolan at the time. Okay. And, and the management I was using were, were trying to get him a deal in America. So I was kind of laid off for a little while. I'd had this string band and my guys were all out in orchestras and things like that. So yeah. I was off the road for a while. And I get this call and he said, do you fancy putting a band together? I said, 
Yeah, why not? I, you know, and I knew him, so I wasn't bothered about yeah. the fact of... So I went up to Scotland a couple of days later and it all went from there, you know. Tell so, me about yeah. the... One of the, the, the great things that I love about Wings is um, that, that, that tour, that university tour, where right. you, just, you just... Well, you explain it, because I think this is such a great rock and roll story about, about starting from the beginning, where you go around and play gigs at random. Yeah, well... <laughs> You know what? There's two two ways of looking at that. First of all, we needed to be away from the press, like I said before, mm. and that was a way of doing it. And there was an alre- there already was a, an audience in these places. Don't forget, you turn up at the university, you got the campus and all that, and yeah. they're all there. So you know, get our roadie goes up to the guy and says, "Hey, we got Paul McCartney in, in the van. Do you want to do a gig?" And they can't believe him first, but then we go up and play. <laughs> After that stuff was just jammed, we had about yeah. five or six songs, and we kept repeating them. You know that yeah. that that stuff. But it was to get us to get an, an audience to see how we felt and how how it all went down. So, but the other thing, of course, was we couldn't really, you know, do it in a big way. It wouldn't have been. No. We weren't ready. We couldn't. We weren't ready. It would have cost a fortune. It would have been. It would have involved a lot of. You know, agents and and managements and getting it all together, and you know, and, and mm. going out on the road and venture, all that stuff would is huge. You know that. Yeah. Like, so you can't go on out at, at that stage on in that big way. So and, it was it was really just kind of an organic thing. That and how happened. how were you travelling? Were you in like a minibus, just driving from town yeah. to town? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, we had a minibus and we had a van, obviously, with all the gear in it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we just turned Beautiful. up and it was really like. Purely as as a way of of playing to an audience which we hadn't mm. done yet. See, that's all. Um, I love the fact, and again, there's there's a you know, well, you know, the British press can be very mean. I love the fact <laughs> that um, I don't know if you've come across that, but it can be. Uh, and and uh, he got he got um, the piss taken out of him a lot, I think, for inviting Linda in the band. And I think yeah. that I think that's lovely. I think he wanted, you know, he's going through the, the trauma of leaving the Beatles, and he just wanted to be on stage with his best mate, his missus. I think that's well, so great. What, what well, was it like having her in the band? Well. The, for, the idea was that, you know, he was up in Scotland, right, and he was living up there, and and he was away from it all, and, and like, lonely, I suppose, to a certain degree, but they had each other, and they had the horses and the, the kid, and, and it was like a different, to, to get away from it all, and he was going through a lot of, lot of uh, you know, financial things with the Beatles and yeah. whatever, so... You know, in other words, she was like his right hand, right? And, like, it's all he could do was just have her around and he'd be playing songs and whatever and writing songs and then he'd get her to help her out with bits and pieces. So that developed into him doing Ram with her as, a, you know, backing vocals, I suppose. And she was hard to, to get her into that because, like, we used to spend quite a lot of time getting the vocals together. Yeah. You know, but because she wasn't experienced, and she certainly wasn't experienced on stage, so there's always a little bit of that yeah. to start with. But there again, you know, like anything else, she developed her, her thing, and and a lot of people do say, well, the vocal sound yeah. of Wings is very, very important. They used to say that about the Moody Blues. You know, it's got a sound, and she did add to that sound, so you can't knock it from that point of view. No. But it was difficult yeah. for me to to be working with someone who wasn't. You know, someone had been out on the road and, be, you know, it wasn't like being in a normal band. Yeah. Sure. But because we had to spend that little extra time with getting her in shape. 
But anyway, she was a nice enough person. I didn't mind, and it was, uh, look what happened, you know, at the end of the day. It, <laughs> it was, worked uh, out. It successful. How yeah. did you go about, how, how did it work in terms, in terms of songwriting? Because obviously most of the songs are McCartney, but you've, you've got a few yeah. great songs, you know, scattered right. throughout the Wings catalogue. How, how yeah. did it work? Did you go in and say, I've got five songs, pick one? What was the deal? No. No, again, it was Paul being, you know, motivated by the fact, of course, he's left the Beatles. He doesn't have a songwriting partner, but he's up there in Scotland. He did a couple of albums as his own, and he's now got the confidence back to do writing on his own. Of course, he would say to me once in a while, for example, like Mullock and Tyre, I was invited over to breakfast like I usually was. I was staying over the hill in the cottage. And I'd go in, and he had this chorus, and I said, well, that sounds like a hit song if we ever get that together. And the next day, we went and wrote the rest of the song. So, I mean, it was something like he had an idea, and I helped him finish. He did it with uh, a couple of my songs, you yeah. know, and, and that's the way it would work. And then we would sometimes get take time out to go, maybe to Spain or somewhere, um, as one example, Morocco, to just go and write, mm. you know, take a week and sit and write every day. I'd go down to his house, just treat it like a job. You know, you'd always come mm. out with something at the end of it. And, and But I didn't, I wasn't anything like as prolific no. as he was. I mean, I mean, I wrote with the Moody Blues a little bit and that, but I wasn't like as prolific as him, you know. I mean, um, I have been since, but not. Well, well, he's. I mean, he's he's a work machine. But the, Mull of Kintyre, yeah. you know, I, I say, I'm. I'm. What what year was Mull of Kintyre? Was that seventy five, seventy six? Um, I think it was seventy eight, wasn't it? Seventy eight. So I, I would have been. I was about four years old when that. And that was <laughs> that was everywhere, man. That was you know that yeah. sold an incredible amount of records. Did, did it feel special? You say you heard, when you heard the, the bit he'd written, you thought that was a hit, but did yeah. it feel like a special song? Yeah, it did very much because, well, first of all, we did Mikey Arwood show Christmas mm. time with it, yeah. and that made it huge. The secondly, we did it with the Campbelltown Pipe Band, or just a local pipe band. And uh, that made them famous, actually. Yeah. And you know what? Don't laugh, but I just was in the shop the other day and I saw some Mile of Kintyre cheese for sale. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Mile of Kintyre is this tiny little place in Scotland. It's yeah. just called the Mole. And the Mole means it's a peninsula. Yeah. And it's, it's got like a graveyard, a church, a shop, and a couple of houses, and that's it. So after Mull of Kintyre, of course, it's in the county of Kintyre, so we called it the Mull of Kintyre. And after that, people come from all over the world to visit up there. It was unbelievable. And there's nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it made the whole place famous. Even Billy Connolly said to, to us one night, we played Green's Playhouse in Scotland. Mm. He went, that's a great song, that laddie. You know, but it, he's taken the piss a bit. And he said, but I don't like the words. And I said, thanks, Billy, I wrote a lot of that. But anyway, you know, even, even you know, you get somebody like him likes the song. It goes a long way, too. And it was it was that kind of thing where, and and the fact that we put it out at Christmas time, I think, and, yeah. and that was it, really. It just uh, was one of those songs right for that kind of crowd at that time, you know. Do you, Wings sounds nothing like the Beatles and nothing like right. Paul's later stuff, which really says right. to me that you had a very important part in shaping the sound of yeah. the group. But once you were kind of taken out of it and he did his solo career, I know you played on on a couple of albums after, but yeah. you, you, were, you were integral to the Wings sound, I think. Do you, do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because that's, that's down to, 
you know, what I was doing in the Moody Blues at the time and what he was doing with the Beatles, we were kind of both good at arranging stuff, you know, making up uh, the song is like, well, if you like Sgt. Pepper, it's kind of a concept thing, you yeah. know, the Moody's went on to be a big concept band, and, you know, all that stuff, the storyline going through the, through the albums. And we're, we're very much in tune with all that stuff, me and him. And and as I say, that gave us... We worked together, not just on the writing of the songs, but very much on the on the production. Yeah. And well, we did with George Martin and Jeff Emmerich as, as well, don't forget. I mean, they're integral parts of it too, uh, because he knew them. I mean, Jeff Emmerich, I'm actually doing some stuff with him right now. Are you but really? He, yeah, he's the oh, Beatles engineer. Yeah, legend. Yeah, right. So I mean, you had all those elements in there as well, but but generally speaking, me and him, you know, we never really argued. We had a very good kind of a should we try this? Yeah, let's go for it. Whatever. We had a very positive approach to it all, yeah. and we did. And we did like have this thing between us where that both of our influences. Mine was more kind of bluesy influence yeah. and folk, and his was folk and rock and roll influence. So it's a very similar thing. And we had the the background of all the music business that we grew up in, you know, in the 60s and that. So we we just had that natural sort of thing where we worked together really well. And that's how we developed the sound and the... Uh, I mean, we tried a lot of stuff in studios. We tried, like, glasses with water in, you know, to get sounds. We, pl- we pl- both play the piccolos or the, <laughs> the flutes. I love it. We'd, we'd try instruments we couldn't play yeah. and just to get... You know, we, we were experimental. You're telling me that you got on. Are you saying then, Denny, that there is no Wings version of the Trogs tape and you two... You know, you've heard that tape, haven't you? One of the funniest tapes ever. Probably not. I love that tape, by the way. I said said to Reg Presley, you should put that out as a bloody single. He says, I would if I could find out where it was. (laughs) If you you haven't heard that, dear listener, go on YouTube, type in the Trogs tape. It is the the Trogs trying to record a drumbeat. It is so funny. Um, you mentioned well, Jeff Emmerich. We did you... have a bit of that. We'd, Paul played drums on Band on the Run, by yeah. the way, but there was, it wasn't quite as bad as that. <laughs> badada, badada. Um, what are you doing with Jeff Emmerich? Because anyone who's a Beatles fan will, will know Jeff's name. Was it, was, am I right? right? He was like sort of um, uh, George Martin's right-hand man. Right, exactly. So, and Wings, don't forget. Yeah, yeah. And Wings, he was doing a lot of our stuff. Well, me and Jeff, you know, from Band on the Run especially, were very pretty close and um he's over here doing some you know workshops talks and wow. whatever and a friend of mine this uh, david Mader, decided it would be a good idea if i because i'm doing some solo stuff as well yeah it's not, I've, I've got two band things i do i've got you know a couple of things that i do but i've been doing a few solo things too and they he just said well why don't you just you know, Jeff does his bit and you do your bit and talk a bit about what went down. Oh, wow. So that's what we're doing. It's like an interview on stage. Oh, and I play a bit of music and whatever. Fantastic. But we haven't done it yet, but we're about to do it next month. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Do you know, we should yeah. try and get Jeff on the show. I mean, God, you should. magic, magic I fingers. Hook, I could hook that up for Oh, you. Denny, please, please do. We're all punching the air. Thank you, man. Uh, and you, you, you mentioned you got two bands. You, you're still playing. Like, you're still go, I, I, I looked online. You're still gigging quite regularly, oh, aren't yeah. you? Oh, yeah. I, I I can't live without that, Ian. Really? It's like, it's like you grew up like that. You, you're, that. You've got to get reaction from an audience before yeah. you can even think about studios either. Yeah. You can't do... You, know, you have to have that. So, you you know, 
I'm doing it. I've got a band in LA that I've I've done toured all over the country with. I've got another band on the East Coast that I kind of concentrate on that side of the country. But you know, that's about it, really. I don't do a lot of work, but I do. I do have a couple of shows, and it incorporates obviously some wing stuff and moody stuff that I was on, and a lot of my um, solo stuff. You mm. know? Don't forget, in the eighties, I, I made quite a few solo albums. Yeah, well. yeah. What was so, it? Well, I was going to ask, what was it like in the eighties when when Wings? Well, mm. Wings kind of ended after Paul's um, bust mm. for uh, marijuana in Japan, yeah. didn't it? In a way. Well, you see, what happens is that that when you do ha- go through that suddenly you can't work again. You can't get visas. I mean, we'd already had, tried, been, uh, had our visas revoked in Japan five years before, after the 76 tour. And, you know, you can't get visas. So in a way, we couldn't have toured right. and done that whole thing at that time. So that was why we went to the studio again. You know, we went in with Stevie Wonder and Carl Perkins and all those people out in Montserrat, and we did that. But, you know, it was great. But at the same time, you miss going out on the road. Yeah. And I was at the point where I had a solo album that I'd done. Been sitting in the can there for a bit. So I decided to go to meet them and do that. That's all. We kind of just drifted away, you know. But I have seen Paul. I saw him a few years back in London. We went out to see UB40 one night. Did you? You know, and I'm still in touch with the office and him and in some ways, rather. Is you know, it... I went to see him in in, uh, in uh, Chicago couple of months ago and he's but he's, yeah. he's, ne- he's never would would you want to do that ladies and gentlemen i've got a special guest tonight it's denny lane would you wouldn't fancy that well i don't know maybe it's like it's never really you know i it's like he's got his thing yeah he's doing his thing i'm doing my thing if i was ever you know if i was ever called upon to to do anything with him i would do it obviously mm. i would but mm. it's just never got there mm. and it and it, you know, is I wouldn't want to push myself on him either no, to do that. No, but there are people that pressure us to try and get that back together. Oh, you co- never know. Of course, there are. I mean, it, I, I yeah. think it would be beautiful if you got up on stage and did a couple of tunes with him. But you know, that's well. That, yeah. I was thinking more like getting back together and writing a few more songs. Oh, mate, it, another <laughs> Wings album would be awesome. <laughs> it would be awesome. Well, that would be the kind of thing I would really jump at. Let's put it that way. Wow. Um, let's talk about the solo stuff in the 80s because you, you've gone and, and it is it, mm. it is h- hard for a lot of people to remember. Wings were huge, right? They were, they were huge. You had so many top 10 hits, so many big hits. That Wings yeah. Over America tour of, of, I think it was 76, was yeah. massive. To go yeah. from that kind of, uh, that hysteria, and, and it was his, hysterical for a while, to, to, yeah. to, to, to kind of not being that part of the centre of that, that um, uh, hurricane. Right. What was that like? Well, I see again. It was like a peak we reached, and I wasn't. I was ready to have some time off, yeah. in a sense, and concentrate on my own thing. In a way, I was kind of encouraged by Paul to do that, to go away. You know, just put an album out of my own. I went, I, so what I did was I just went in the studio every week for like five days a week with a great engineer. We either be from Decker or from EMI engineer. Yeah, and I just wrote and and. For about five years, I, st- I was in the studio doing that, and apart from living in Spain at the time as well. Yeah. But I was just concentrating on me as a songwriter, and, and I, as a consequently, I did really get into it, you know. And I, I've I've enjoyed writing a lot since. But as I said, that was the eighties for me. I just I wasn't really, you know, ready to go out on the road again. 
um, until, until I had a, a great band, you see. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. the peak of Wings was a, a great band. It was a you you got to start at the bottom again. And I just wasn't... I thought, well, I've got to get some material out there first before I even think about going on the road again. So it took all that time. It really did. So um, Denny, you know, now I'm out there doing what I want to do and uh, I'm happy doing it. Denny, I've got to play some adverts. Are you OK to stick around for a bit longer? Is that all right? Absolutely. Bless you, sure. brother. Thank you so much. I've got, right. I've got Denny Lane on from the... Woods. We haven't even spoken about the Moody Blues yet. All over the place. I love it. God, you should see the grin on my face. This is wonderful. Um, We'll speak more to Denny Lane and uh, find out what he's up to, speak about the Moody Blues, all that kind of stuff after this. Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox with rule-free Ian Lee. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. I've got no internet for the last four days. On Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Jamie East. Now, as well as being on talk radio every afternoon between 1 and 4pm, I've just started a brand new podcast that I wanted to tell you about. It's called Talk Film. We've got interviews with the big stars like Martin Freeman, Tandy Newton, Josh Brolin, loads of them. And also all of the reviews of the week's big releases. There's a new episode every Thursday, available through Apple Podcasts and your favourite podcast app. Just search for Talk Film and give it a whirl. If you like it, please hit that subscribe button. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. <laughs> Denny, are you... St- hang on a minute. My- oh, I can't do this now. Hang on. Denny, are you still there? I am we- still here. My producer, Catherine, told me you hung up on us. What have we done? <laughs> what have we done? No, I just put the phone in to see if I could charge it up. <laughs> one of those landlines. Can I- I'm going to ask you I'm going to ask you one more Paul McCartney question, right? And please right. don't hate me for this, right? But, well, maybe you will hate me. I don't care. At any point in the time you hung out with Paul McCartney, did he ever sing Penny Lane with the words no. Denny Lane? No, but everybody else in the world does. Do they? Oh, does. no. Well, you know, it's like, it's like that's one of them standing jokes. But I will tell you that uh, knowing Paul's, you know, quirky kind of personality, that yeah. he he must have written that Penny Lane with me in mind because... If you notice, and people don't know this, I don't. I don't know anybody who came up with this except me. Yeah. But the bass line in in Penny Lane is exactly the same bass line as in Go Now. No. No. Ding 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 He's absolutely right. Yeah, and so. That's incredible. And Penny Lane being, you know, a place in Liverpool, tight in with Denny Lane, and. There you go. And I did know him in those days as yeah. well, don't forget. Yeah. When did you... Well, um, well, let's go back a bit to... Let's go back to the Moody Blues. Um, are you, am I right? You kind of, you guys started out as like a, a proper, you know, early 60s blues group as opposed yeah. to a pop or a... You know, opposed to a right. pop band. Yes, exactly. Well, they came back from Liverpool... Uh, sorry, they came back from Germany, Ray and Mike. Yeah. And they decided they wanted to put a band together to go back to Germany because they'd been hanging out with people like the Beatles and whatever because those were the bands getting the work out there. And they said, there's a lot of work in Germany. We want to put a band together. And I said, well, let's get the band together. But I want to play blues music. I don't want to play pop music because that's the way it's got to be. Yeah. Um, you know, so anyway, that's what we did. But instead of going back to Germany, we got discovered at the residency we had. We had, like, a blues club we played. 
and then we went down to London. But of course, that developed out of that into R and B and Go Now and all that stuff was an extension of us being a, basically a blues band, and and the Moody Blues was stood for blues. You know, that yeah. was it. That was the whole point of it. Yeah. Um and. Go Now was is such an iconic song. It's such a great... It, we played it yesterday, uh, you know, to flag up you were coming on. And what is that? I mean, that's, that's like 54, 55 years old now. It sounds yeah. incredible today, man. Incredible. Well, <laughs> well in those days, we, we didn't have many choices, you know. You just went in the studio, you had a tape machine, and very four tracks or something like that. You had to be good. A lot of the bands in those days were good. They played everywhere. They were always good in the studio. They just went in, bang, bang, and it was all over. So we kind of recorded that very simply. And I think a lot of that old stuff, obviously on vinyl, stands up today, yeah. especially because they're all trying to capture that sound on vinyl now. That that or that that uh, sound is purely because of the simplicity of the, the recording of those days. Yeah. But yeah, it, it does stand up. It's... Right in your face. You know. what, why did you leave the, the, the Moody's? What, what, what happened there? Because you, you, were, you were huge, you, you were on a, a, a crest of a wave, and then you weren't in them anymore. What happened? Well, we weren't, actually, because we, crest of the wave was obviously go now, which we, we were on the Chuck Berry tour. We, that went to the top because we were playing live, and yeah. everybody would go out and buy it. But after that, we did the album, and then that album didn't do too well to start with. And the guys wanted to go out on the... Excuse my Americanisms here, but the guys wanted to go out on the road and just make money. Yeah. Let's go to Germany. Let's go to France. Let's do this. I said, no, we should be going in the studio and doing a new album, which we did owe at Decker at the time. Yeah. And uh, so I said, well, I, you know, I just don't fancy it. I'm just going to sit and write and try and get some more material together. Anyway, we didn't fall out or anything like that. Anyway, they started looking around for other people, and they found Justin and John came from Ray Thomas's band. So, so they did that together. I actually opened for them once. Did you? I was playing the old material, and I was playing my string band material. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's, having said that, um, you know, we I went off to do my thing. They went off to, and then by owing that album to Decca, funnily enough, that's how they ended up getting their hit with. Uh, uh, Days of Future Past. Right. What, it, what was it? The first album? I can't remember. Or, or anyway, they they owed that album to Decca. Decca called in their 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 bet, and they went, "Yeah, well, we want you to do this album with the Peter Knight Orchestra. It's a demo album." Blah blah blah. So they ended up having a huge hit with that because it was the first stereo album ever made, and uh, of course everybody started playing it. So that's the story behind that. But you, you—I was going to say that you was it this year that you all got inducted finally in the yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and uh, the, the Moody's, well, and you were you were there as well. That's true. Well, it was great because they were very nice to me, and uh, of course Mike and Ray were there from the old band, and I'd already met Justin anyway and John. Yeah. In, 60, in the seventies, or was it the eighties? I'd already met them, and I'd, I'd worked with. Uh, Justin in Germany once. No, sorry, in Ireland, just after the troubles. I went out there with him. And, you know, I was kind of, they were very nice to me. Very, very kind of, you know, gracious and friendly, and we had a good laugh. And that was more important than actually winning the <laughs> the award, really, for me. Yeah. And uh, it was great. Really, really enjoyed it. 
Yeah. Um, what was working with Ginger Baker like? For those who haven't seen, there's a brilliant, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a brilliant documentary about Ginger Baker, yeah. Baker of course, went on to drum with, with Clapton and all kinds of people. But um, a very intense, very intense, eccentric gentleman, he said, being diplomatic. What was he like with you? He wasn't like that with me at all. Was he not? Uh, no. I mean, again, I knew Ginger and Jack from the Chuck Berry tour I just mentioned. Yeah. They were in a band called the Graham Bond Organisation. Oh, of course. They opened for us, for us on that tour. Yeah. And uh, so that, again, came about as me knowing them. They were knocking about with Steve Winwood, then we were putting traffic together, and I was knocking about with Trevor from The Move, and we went down and visited them, and... It was Stevie's birthday, and I had a little jam with Eric and and, uh, and Ginger. And then, of course, later on, a few months down the road, he asked me to do that, the Ginger Baker's Air Force thing. That was after the Blind Faith thing fell apart. Yeah. So uh, I was a natural for that, you know. And again, when we did the thing in... in uh, when we did Band on the Run out, out in Africa, he had a studio in that same town. So, again, we're all connected up again. So... I never really had any problems with Ginger. Of course, a lot of people did because he, he didn't suffer fools. No. But he was the same time, you know, he was doing a lot of dope as well. He, got, he, was, he was the first to own up about that. And he was, like, very, you know, out there, having put it all together himself, with the help of Robert Stigwood, I will say. But mm. at the same time, it was a big undertaking taking on the band. But with me and him, we never had any problems whatsoever. And I've actually worked with him in Spain after since. And yeah. Um, I, I never had that thing with him at all. We were just pals. We were very close. You your um, your voice is still great, OK? I'm going to blow a little bit of smoke up your ass, Danny. So get re- get loosen the belt, get ready. Stop it. Your voice is still great, because I, I, I listened to the interview you did with my friends Ryan and Chris on the Take It Away podcast, and uh, they played a song that you did last year called Meant To Be, which I was going to play, right. but it's my computer's died, so I can't. Um, oh. But it's a, it's a great song from last year, and your voice still sounds incredible. What, what, do, do you, do you one of those people that does exercises with it? You know, the... No, da, 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 da. no not really. I mean, it has been known on a, a drunken night, but not <laughs> necessarily. No, I just don't, you know, I don't work that much to the point where I'm blowing my voice out all the time. Yeah. And also, you know, it's like... You have to learn to sing from your stomach and not from your throat. That's all I can say. It's yeah. just a technique. But I have had a lot of voice problems. I, I, you know, if I catch a cold and, and I'm in a cold country like that and I can't get rid of it, oh, it's a nightmare. Oh, really? Do you, but, does your voice go? Well, yeah, but generally speaking, you know, I, I think if you, play, if you go out and you tour too much, you, you tend to blow your voice out. You've got to be careful of that. Yeah, But yeah. I don't do it enough to to do that and uh, as I say you know I don't push it too much and, and thanks for the compliment by the way but but you know I mean I, I can still keep the same tempo I mean sorry the same uh, keys that I played the original songs yeah. in I still go out and do the same songs yeah um, it, but I think I think you always lose a little bit of what you were though even like in playing wise you know, I'm learning some of my old Moody Blues stuff at the moment because I'm doing that album. Yeah. And it's hard to to relearn something that you used to do, you know, all those years ago. It's kind of how you were then. It's very hard to do it after you... you know, well, also, in those early out. Moody's days, you were kids. You were, you were you yeah. know, just boys, you know, and um, that is, yeah. it's a lifetime ago, isn't it? 
That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, it, I get the feeling you've really enjoyed yourself in your career. And I don't necessarily mean in a chemical way, or maybe you did. I don't no. know. But we were no, watching. I was never really into. Good that. for you. But, I, I was. We were but, watching a bit of rock show earlier on, and just that. And I might. I might end on this uh, to, uh, when we finish chatting. That version of Go Now with with Paul and Linda kind of hamming up the backing vocals. You all. You look like the, you know a beautiful rock star. It looks like so much fun, man. Oh yeah, it was. I mean, you can't beat it. You 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 just out there having a ball because you've worked to it towards it. And you know, as I say, I was like, let's put it this way: I was I was on on the road for years, and then I wasn't on the road for years. And as soon as I got into Wings, all I wanted to do was be on the road, right? Because that's what we were that's what we were aspiring to. And so when that tour came up. You know, and, and we were at that stage. Of course, we were all very happy about it, and we'd had a lot of hits and all that stuff. But again, you know, since then, I, I've kind of, you know, not done it on that level. And um, I've been, I suppose, semi-retired, but it's purely because you're trying to get back to that level. That's, you're always kind of, you're always trying to push the envelope to get back to what you were or and go on the road as much as you possibly can. And that's what I'm still doing. Mm. You, know, you don't change. People don't change. Um, what was it with Wings and Recording Studios? Because you didn't have to pick some weird ones. Obviously, there's the whole yeah. band on the run in Lagos yeah. debacle. There's, there's, um, it was London Town, wasn't it, that was recorded yeah. on a boat. What, why Boats, couldn't you yeah. just go into Abbey Road, like, you know, <laughs> like the old well, days? Because, we're, we're, because we were looking for influence, yeah. basically. You know, I mean, I was into boats for a while, and then Paul and Linda said, you know, what you got a boat for? And I said, because it's a great life, and it gets you away from everything. You know, and in a way, the studio gets you away from everything, too. So I said, he, he said, well, let's make an album on, on some boats, then. It's like, we aren't, we're not going to be bothered. Let's go to Lagos. We won't be bothered. And But also, it's because of the music. You know, you go, say you go to Jamaica, you know you're going to be influenced by reggae. Yeah. And if you go to Lagos, you know you're going to be influenced by African drums. So it's to do with that. It really is. You just, you, you've got to keep charging them batteries off, is what it is. And that's what we did. What's what's in, what's interesting about the Wings albums is is the, 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 there's a the, the, some of the early albums. You know, they're, they're, there's a couple of songs you think, well, oh, maybe that's not the greatest song, but by band on the run. It all came together, didn't it? And it shouldn't have come together because you had two people leaving the band. You went off to Lagos to a studio that perhaps wasn't the most technically, uh, you know, right. g- good studio. Paul Paul had all the tapes nicked off him when he got mugged. Yeah, that should yeah. Band on the Run should have been a, a, a disaster, but it's it is it's a wonderful album. Well, thanks, but again, that was because of me and him having that determination. Hey, it's booked. We're gonna go. Um, I didn't even know the guy. They weren't coming until I got on the plane. And then, of course, you go there and you make the best of what you got. And Jeff Emmerich was with us. And as you say, a lot of the studio gear wasn't really in working edition. It was a, it was all hand-me-downs from other EMI studios. But it was good enough for me and him. It's yeah. no different to us, you know, being up in Scotland and and. Uh, knocking out that Buddy Holly album we did yeah. on this little four-track machine. It's no different. It's it's all down to the people and what you do with it, you know. You don't need all those tracks sometimes. And so in that case, where he got on the drums and I got on the guitar and we just jammed our way through the songs because we had a good idea what they were going to be like. And we got the feel down first, and that was the important thing. So it was easy. And it was, was it, it was primarily you and Paul doing all the tracks, Paul on the drums, and, and you kind of sort of rhythm and yeah. bit, bit of bass? Yeah, well, 
generally a guitar first, and then we had, we overdubbed a lot of right. stuff. Obviously, when we got back to London, we added all the other stuff. Then we got Tony Bisconti to do the strings and the brass and stuff like that. And then it was uh, it was easy. But but the main thing was to just get those songs down in a simple form because that's all we had was me and him. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what gave it the feel that people kind of liked. It was a relaxed album. Yeah. So, Denny, you've got, um, you've got these talks coming up with these evenings with, with Jeff Emmerich. What, what else is in the pipeline for you? What you got next? Well, that's, you know, that's just something I'm doing as part of the other things that I'm doing, which yeah. is, is a lot of uh, solo stuff. Um, that's it, really. I, I do have a musical I've been knocking around with oh. for years. It's called Arctic Song. It's, it's kind of a, an environmental thing, and I've done it with a couple of universities. I've done it with... Uh, with the people up in Fredonia, which is Buffalo, New York, with yeah. that university. That's a kind of a side thing that I'm doing. It's almost like a charity thing. It's a kind of a, you know, save the planet thing. Um, and other than that, so I'm just purely, uh, I suppose I'm still promoting that, that single that I put out. And I'm going, actually, I'm going into this, not in the studio, I'm going into the, to a farm and I'm going to do some writing for the next month or two the idea of putting a new album together. But I do have an, another album in the bag that's been sitting around on the shelf for a few years that we're thinking about re-releasing re-release, for the first time. Why is it, what, what is it? Why has it been sitting around? Well, it's, <laughs> it's usually because of politics. Can we just say that? <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Yeah, I do know uh, what you mean, mate. You, you exactly do it on a handshake, then the next minute you know they want this and they want that, and it's all like, wait a minute. So... It was all that, but but it's a good album and uh, it still stands the test of time. So that's about to come out, I think, maybe in a couple of months or three months. All right, hey Denny, honestly, man, it, it's such a thrill to talk to you, brother. And I just want to say thank you, thank you for writing and for playing on and for doing, you know, so many wonderful songs. Seriously, thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. I really appreciate that, and I enjoyed the uh, the talk with. Yeah, Bless good. you. Anytime you want to come on, Denny, you, you're more, you'd be more than welcome. Just drop us a line. Thank you, mate. I will. I'll let you know about Jeff Emmerich, too. Oh, yes, please do. Let's get Jeff right, on the then. show. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from America, Denny Lane. Indulge me. I couldn't, I couldn't get the new single to work. So instead, this is from Wings Over America, which is some album, 1976. This is Paul McCartney, Linda McCartney, and Denny Lane playing Go Now. This is it. Listen to this. It's incredible. <laughs> show where the owls are not what they seem. Do you or have you ever watched Twin Peaks? The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. We could be dreaming and meeting each other in our dreams. On Talk Radio. 